0: seven so if you have your Bibles um, keep them open at John chapter 20 um, as we continue on in the series that you've been doing over the last six weeks um, taking up his cross and uh, I have the privilege of coming back again next week you mightn't think that but um, but will the last two weeks um, of the series that um, I have the opportunity of just working through the rest of chapter 20 Lee worked through the first half of Chapter 20, I had an opportunity of listening to that, Lee, so that was encouraging and challenging. And um, I know I say it most times, but I really enjoy the fact that you have your messages up on podcast. Um, So there's the opportunity of being able to listen to them and if you've heard them once, well, you can hear them again and um, be encouraged um, by them. It's good for Heather and I to be with you. We feel like we're among friends. We know we're in the family of God, aren't we? But um, we have lots of connections um, with lots of folk here and we really appreciate and and enjoy um, the fellowship that we can have with you. Here we come to the end of this six-week series and I'm sure you've looked at this verse before but this verse, which is the last verse that was read um, by Evan just then, is the absolute key that John gives for writing his gospel these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the messiah the son of god and that by believing you may have life in his name this is the whole reason that Jesus came and John has a number of themes in his book but new life is one of the most significant that he has and i'm sure you think with me about a number of the um, times that john talks about life in his book think about john 1 and verse 5 in him was life and that life was the light of men john 14:6 i'm the way the truth and the and the life John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Indeed, John eleven twenty five. Jesus said, "I am the resurrection and the the one who believes in me will live, even though they die." Interesting in thinking about the theme of the series you've been doing, taking up His cross. John 10 and verse 10. I am come that they may have life and have it to the full. And isn't it interesting? John five twenty four. Verily I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death until life. And John also wrote a number of other books, you might recall, And particularly in his epistles, the theme in John 1 and um, 1 John 5 and verse 12: "Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life." We can't think about anything more important, or talk about anything more important than the conclusion, as it were, in this epilogue that John brings us to in this last two uh, messages that I'll be giving from John 20 and John 21. These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, and that by believing you might have life in his name. So that's the question, isn't it? Do we have life? Have we experienced that new life? And that's John's point. It's interesting. As we come to John's epilogue, he doesn't have a great commission. He doesn't do a Matthew It's not as if he's making a big appeal and saying, now lifting up and heading out into the world. No, John is really practical. He's saying in this last half of chapter 20 and in chapter 21, what does everything that's gone before mean? So what? What difference does it make in a disciple's life? So it's absolutely crucial. This is the real application of uh, what John's been talking about. His structure of this epilogue is really clear. It's around three resurrection appearances to his disciples. We have the first one we're looking at now when he appears in the clocked room, upper room, um, without Thomas. And then the second one, he appears in the upper room Behind locked doors to the disciples and Thomas is present. And then in the start of chapter 21 we have the third appearance that John specifically says. This is the third appearance down by the Sea of Galilee, back where it had all begun. And that's here we have Jesus talking very specifically to his disciples about saying this is the difference that the resurrection Makes in your life and in mine. Here we have the power of the resurrection to actually transform our lives and more importantly here we have Jesus' intervention and often unexpectedly into our lives to make a difference, to transform us. I wonder that's what we've just been talking about but I wonder what your situation right now is what are you experiencing what is your life like right now perhaps it is like these disciples that they're in a very fearful situation for fear of their lives is the situation that you're facing now fearful Have you just recently experienced something that has made your blood pump and that anxiety level come up? Have you had a near accident miss or maybe you've been involved in an accident? Not that long ago, Heather and I were driving down a main street, York Street, Lee you'd know where that is in Ballarat and we were driving along looking for an appropriate turn and all of a sudden a very elderly gentleman decided to turn right in front of us and my anxiety level both for ourselves and for him went through the roof and I was very thankful for ABS brakes because they worked and we came to a stationary halt in the middle of York Street as he continued calmly on within a metre of the bull bar and uh didn't even look back I don't believe that he even saw us but maybe you have had an experience like that maybe we've had the experience of a panic attack or an anxiety attack that leaves us that really shaky feeling that just that wasn't nice that wasn't a good experience perhaps we've woken from a dream and you think oh, I'm so glad that that wasn't real I had a work colleague a number of years ago. shared one of these dreams with me when I was living in Hamilton. And it was that he woke from a dream where he'd been killed in a car accident driving along a road just near Hamilton that he recognised really clearly. And from that day on, he refused to drive down that road. It was a main road. He would go out of his way by half an hour or more to get to his destination because he was in fear for his life because of a dream that he'd had about an accident that killed him supposedly on that road. Maybe you're fearful of death. Maybe you're fearful of a doctor's appointment that's coming up this week. Maybe you're fearful that your relationship or relationships of children or family um, won't survive or will break up. Here we have, and this is what's so practical about God's word, here we have recorded a situation where the disciples are absolutely paranoid. They're in fear of their lives. They're in an upper room. The doors are shut and the doors are locked. And what do we see? We see in this situation that Jesus unexpectedly enters they weren't expecting him they knew that he was going to rise from the dead they'd been told as Lee highlighted in his address that Mary had seen the Lord and had told the disciples we know that John had entered the tomb and he. it says that he actually believed so presumably that means that he believed that Jesus rose from the dead. But here they're behind locked doors for fear of their lives and all of a sudden Jesus enters that situation and stands amongst them. It's interesting to note that the doors are shut. The disciples have shut everyone out. But Jesus still comes into the room. The situations that we are experiencing now, that we find ourselves in, that we might have been in last week, that will come up this week, sometimes we shut people out. We shut the doors. We withdraw. We're fearful. We're not sure what's going to happen. We don't seek help. We don't want to talk about it. We batten down the hatches. Our mind's just not functioning quite like it should. Can I encourage you that in that situation, Jesus unexpectedly enters our lives. Jesus can go in our lives where no one else can go. We can try and shut him out, but in his graciousness, he will intervene. I can remember a time when I wasn't well and I was taking time out and spent it up on the farm, up in the Mallee. And unexpectedly, a friend I knew had driven four hours, happened to be going past, made the detour and turned up at the farm just to provide some encouragement. And in that sense, Jesus unexpectedly entered that situation I was experiencing. And encouraged and strengthened me. I can remember a friend of Heather's when she was feeling down. And she shared this story with Heather and she's saying, God, where are you? Why don't you show me that you love me and why aren't you doing something in this situation? I need support. And she prayed and She did gain a sense of of peace that God had heard her prayer. She went about her business, and later in the day, she was looking out the window and looked down the backyard, and she saw a glimpse of red in the hedge down the back of this property that they were renting. She thought, "Oh, the kids have kicked a ball down there, and I better go and get it. Or maybe it's a a piece of cloth or something." And she went down, and she opened the hedge up, and here, to all through the inside of the hedge, were these beautiful red roses blooming. And she saw that God cared. She cut all of these roses. She took them back inside. She put them in vases, put them in every room, just reassured that God loved her. And a friend called in that afternoon, walked in the door and saw all of this and said, wow, who loves you? And she was able to share how God had unexpectedly entered her life and encouraged her in that situation that he does care just know that there's no situation that you're experiencing that Jesus cannot enter and be surprised or don't be surprised when he does and the doors are locked aren't they for fear of the Jews and fear is the place in our lives that Jesus can most make clearly make his peace and his power known it's when we weak when we're weak and we realise that we're not coping that Jesus can actually support and do his work it's when we think we're going okay and we're hanging in there that often we don't experience the support because we won't allow him to do that Jesus comes to us when we're afraid the psalmist said when i'm afraid i will trust in you isaiah said fear not for i'm with you be not dismayed for i am your god i will strengthen you i'll uphold you with my righteous right arm so here jesus stands among them in the middle of the meeting he's not on the edge he inserts himself into the situation And he doesn't toy with them. He doesn't say, hey, do you recognise me? Who am I? He doesn't play games. No, it's really clear that Jesus is alive and wants to intervene in their situation. And what did he say that he wanted to do? Three things. If we read through this passage, it's as clear as a bell. Verse 19, he says, I give you my peace. Peace be with you. In verse 21 he says I give you a purpose. As the Father sent me so I am sending you. And in verse 22 he says clearly I'll give you power. He breathed on them and said receive the Holy Spirit. The power of the Spirit at work within their lives even though that was to come a little bit later. And so what does this actually mean when Jesus says peace be with you the relationship they thought was broken but here Jesus all of a sudden comes in and he says peace be with you it wasn't just a simple greeting this actually meant something this was Jesus saying I give you my peace and this consists of in my thinking three things Firstly, peace with God. In Colossians 1 and verse 19, you can read there, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here their situation goes from fear to peace. Isn't that encouraging? In the situation that we might find ourselves in, first and foremost, we can know that we can experience peace with God. Are we at peace with God? Have we taken that step of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as John's reminding us? These things he's written so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ. I can remember a time, I trust you're able to remember a time when by God's grace we believed and accepted him into our lives. Romans 10 verse 9 If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I mentioned before, we know that John has already believed. He tells us that when he entered the empty tomb, he believed. It's interesting. Verse 25 tells us that Thomas didn't believe. And then verse 28 tells us that he did believe when he actually saw Jesus. And Jesus makes an interesting comment about that. He says, you believe because you've actually physically seen me. Blessed are those that haven't seen me and yet have believed. And this is what John's book is all about. He's written it so we have the opportunity of hearing and seeing, not physically but spiritually, that Jesus is alive and that we can experience life in his name. This is the most important thing that we can ever do is to be born again into the new life that comes because Jesus as the resurrected Lord enters our lives and says peace be with you. But secondly I think when Jesus says peace be with you he's saying you can be at peace with each other. Ephesians 2 and 15 fantastic passage of scripture to study for he himself is our peace who has made the the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility Jesus has made it possible for us to be at peace with each other and some time ago when Heather and I had the opportunity of going to Londonderry maybe some of you have been there in Ireland Londonderry is famous because it was the site of a siege there's a walled city inside Londonderry in the late 1600s This was the war, as it were, the Cromwellian War, Um, and essentially it was the Protestants versus the Catholics. And thousands of people actually died in this siege. But what I found so encouraging was that photo I took and I've inserted the cross into it, is they've got two people, and if you take it from the other side, their hands are apart. But if you take it from this side, their hands are together because this was about the resolution of the Catholics and the Protestants stopping warring, being at odds. Now Paul's talking about the Gentiles and the Jews, but here the Catholics and the Protestants, and on the base of that statue is printed those words. And I just found that so encouraging that they saw very clearly that this was the work of God in being able to bring about peace um, in that situation. Is there someone that we need to make peace with? Are we experiencing a broken relationship with a friend, with a family member, with someone at work where there's genuine hostility? It might be out there on the surface, but underneath it's there. What I believe Jesus is saying to us this morning as he said to the disciples, peace be with you, his shed blood, the cross, has enabled us to make peace with one another. Can I encourage you to make that phone call, to write that letter, to walk across the room, to have that conversation, to help Bring about peace because of the blood of Jesus Christ that enables the two that are at war to be at peace with each other. A couple of classic verses. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the peacemakers. Let's be a peacemaker today and this week. And in Romans fourteen nineteen, Paul says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. We mightn't be able to resolve the situation if the other person doesn't want to come to the party, but God's word tells us for us to make every effort to do what we can to help resolve that situation, to allow Jesus to enter that situation. And thirdly, I think when Jesus says to the disciples, he says to us Peace be with you that we can be at peace with ourselves. Look at this for a verse from Scripture. Don't think this can be much clearer. Hebrews nine fourteen How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God how's our conscience is there a situation that just constantly replays itself on our mind is there something that we can't or we won't let go of something that someone did to us many years ago that we're bitter about talking to a friend of mine this week He's retired, his mum's in care but he cannot go to visit his mum by himself because of the animosity that his mum has to him for a situation that occurred over 40 years ago. And my friend graciously and I've been praying with him and working and God's at work in his life and he experiences fear and anxiety but graciously God is giving them peace and he goes and visits his mum but he always goes with his sister just because it changes the dynamics. But this sense of something in his mum's conscience that she just won't let go of that still keeps this barrier between her in her late years. And we just pray that God will intervene. So is there a situation that our past is paralyzing us? Our past doesn't have to paralyze us. It still can be painful. But through the blood of Jesus Christ our conscience can be made clear. God's forgiven us. We need to act on that and move forward so that we can find genuine peace of mind it's not through some meditation technique it's not through spending time alone holidaying or doing something and getting away that gives our mind peace because our conscience goes with us wherever we are this verse tells us that it's the blood of Jesus Christ from the power of the risen Lord that enables that situation to be resolved couple of lovely verses Isaiah 26 and 3 you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you Philippians 4 and verse 6 have no anxiety about anything that means we will have anxiety doesn't it but in everything with prayer and petition let your requests be made known to God and here it is the peace of God which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The risen Lord enters our situation and he says, I give you my peace. But he also says, I give you a purpose. Verse 21, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you And we can talk a lot about that purpose. And there are lots of aspects to it. But the key one that I think just comes very clearly straight out of the scripture here is is that Jesus was sent by the Father so that we could be at peace with God. So he's sending us to deliver that same message of peace so that other people can be at peace with God peace be with you as the father has sent me so I am sending you. Do we see ourselves as instruments of peace? Can I encourage you that as you go out this afternoon, as you go out into the week, this coming week, that you see yourself very clearly as an instrument of peace. So when there is a situation, whether there's crosswords or Or when there is a situation where you're tempted to be the aggressor, even if you're in the right of choosing to say, no, I will allow God through his spirit to enable me to be an instrument of peace in that situation. And finally, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He said, I think I give you in this situation the promise of power because we know it wasn't until Acts 1 and 8 that the Holy Spirit actually came Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth just a comment there's a very difficult verse I don't know whether you noticed it. As it was read by Evan this morning, if you forgive someone's sins, they're forgiven. If you don't forgive someone's sins, they're not forgiven. We could spend a lot of time on this. Forgiveness is a really important word. Suffice to say, I think that what Jesus is saying, he's not saying that we have the power to forgive people's sins. How do I know that? Because Peter, in Acts chapter uh, chapter 2, when he's giving that amazing message that people responded to and over 3,000 were saved, the heart of his message said this, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ... For the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Quite clearly forgiveness comes through Jesus and only through him. But I think this is a little parable. We know what a parable is. It's giving an intent, giving us a message of what the truth really is. And so here it is that as we share this message of forgiveness and reconciliation and people believe it then their sins are forgiven it's not us having the authority to say I forgive your sins it's us being the instruments that share the message that enables the Holy Spirit to do his work to help people apply what Jesus has said to their lives and what he's done for them so that they can come become a follower of Jesus. Can I encourage you this morning in that situation that you're experiencing or have experienced or are about to experience that you might feel threatened you might feel exposed you mightn't feel that God's doing anything can I remind you that Jesus steps into that situation and he says I give you peace. I give you purpose and I give you power so that indeed we might know that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing in him we might have life in his name.